Chapter 24, The Grand Review. Blue hung around the twins' room for almost an hour that night, hoping to convince Ida that she was their best and only chance. When Jenna finally tossed him out, he called through the door. Maybe the gerbils can't tell the two of you apart. You're twins. Maybe they're colorblind. Jenna opened the door and pointed at him. The gerbillion know their own mother. Now go to bed. She slammed it in his face. Harsh, said Howard. He had just come up the stairs carrying a jalan jug full of chocolate milk under one brawny arm. Instead of turning into his own room, he followed Blue up the steps to the third floor. You're not allowed in the attic, Blue informed him with a glance back over his shoulder. Since you won't share your room, it's only fair. Hey, I helped clean the attic, remember? Your doorknob electrocuted me. You keep mentioning that, said Howard. He looked like he was holding back a grin. I'm not going to the attic anyway. I'm heading to the bathroom. All the other showers are full. Still? It's funny how you get used to things so quickly, he thought, when they parted ways at the top of the stairs. Compared to everything else going on in the house, Howard drinking chocolate milk in the shower almost seemed ordinary. That night, Blue couldn't turn his brain off. He was excited about the plan he and Tumble had come up with, and he was upset that the phone call with his dad had gone wrong. His grandmother had been angry, just like his dad predicted. What was it she'd said after what happened last time? Was she worried about accidents? Blue's dad had never been hurt. Alan Montgomery cruised right past Rex on the track. Blue rolled over and stared at the paint-splattered poster taped to its tower of boxes. He could hear the air conditioner blowing through the floor vent, and he could smell lemon cake from the last time he'd burned Ida's candle. He didn't feel so lonely up here, knowing that Tumble and his cousin had tried to make the place cheerful. Finally, he closed his eyes and drifted off to sleep. Slam! Blue's eyes snapped open. At first, he wasn't sure what had woken him, but then the sound came again, and again. Banging noises were coming from downstairs. As he listened, the sound moved up through the house. On the second story, it was still muffled, but then it reached the third. Blue rolled off his mattress and pressed his ear to the floorboards. He could hear a hinge shriek and then a slam, slam, slam. Voices were chattering and there was a question in their tones that he couldn't quite make out. Then he heard feet pounding down the stairs. Blue was tempted to stay up in his attic and let it whatever new madness this was go on without him. But then he reconsidered. What if some especially ill-fated cousin had caused a tornado to touch down? What if Greg, the fire-starting guy, had decided to sleep inside tonight and now the house was in flames? Blue threw off his sheets, grabbed his duffel bag, and hurried downstairs. At first, he thought something must have happened to Mom Myrtle. Her time hadn't run out, but with every single person in the house trying to crowd into her bedroom, he couldn't imagine what else it could be. But then, over the hubbub, Cousin Chelsea shouted so loudly that her hair rollers shook. Quiet, y'all. Our darling wise and beloved matriarch is making the announcement. The announcement? wondered Blue. She couldn't mean... The Montgomerys pushed in closer, trampling in on another's bunny slippers, knocking eyeglasses off of faces and dental retainers out of mouths. Ma Myrtle, you look awfully young for a 97-year-old. Did I tell you about how I'm going to name my firstborn Myrtle, boy or girl? It's such a gorgeous name. Blue dropped his bag and stood on his tiptoes, but he couldn't catch a glimpse of his great-grandmother. He did spot Howard in the middle of the group, pushing his way through the relatives. Nobody was moving for him, but it didn't matter. He was using his bulky shoulders like battering rams, and he didn't mind throwing an elbow or two in the direction of the more terrible family members. Ida stumbled out of the crowd and into the blue. Her rainbow hair was sticking up in all directions, and her purple pajamas were rumpled. They shoved me right out of the room. Without waiting for a reply, she turned on her bare heels and ran toward the entryway. 
Blue, hoping she had a plan, followed. They dashed out the front door and around the other side of the house. When they jumped off the porch, the grass was wet with dew underfoot. Blue didn't have long to wonder about what they were doing. Ida stopped just outside Ma Myrtle's bedroom window. They stood on top of a coil garden hose to see what was happening inside. Ma Myrtle was there, standing on the seat of an armchair so that she could see over the pack of Montgomery's pressing in around her. Is she going to tell everyone how to find Munch? Blue asked. He wondered if he should get dressed or call Tumble. What if it was tonight? The moon was due to be a waning sickle according to the calendars, but it hadn't risen yet. He shifted his weight on top of the hose and wished he could hear what was going on. Can you open the window? Maybe. Ida hunched over for a minute, and when she straightened, she had a garden trowel in her hand. If it's not locked, I think I can. She dug the tip of the trowel under the window, ignoring the fact that the metal was biting into the painted wood. When she had it in place, she balled up her fist and brought it down on the handle. Once. Twice. The window lifted just enough for the two of them to make out the den from inside. By the way, says Ida, watch out for bats and possums and raccoons. Raccoons are the worst. I had to have rabies shots the last time one got me. She looked down at her feet, and I didn't have time to put on my snake boots. I'll keep them away from you if I see any, Blue promised. They listened as hard as they could, and finally the relatives quieted enough for them to pick out Ma Myrtle's voice. I'm sure you don't like being woken at three in the morning, she said, holding a hand over her chest like she was pledging allegiance. But I hope you'll understand time runs differently for an old woman who is ringing death's doorbell. Oh, poor Granny Eve, breathed Ida. Their grandmother was sitting on the foot of Ma Myrtle's bed. She looked pale and worn out. My dear Evie says I should stop holding the family in suspense, says Ma Myrtle. She says it's time I do what I mean to do. The room broke out in excited whispers. Well, that's the truth, Ida muttered. Ma Myrtle held up a hand to quiet, quiet the relatives, then said into the silence, In 18 days... Blue was gripping the windowsill so tightly his knuckles hurt. You will be a part of my grand review. Eve looked at her sharply. What? says Blue. Ida was trembling so hard he could feel the house underneath them vibrating. She's not telling us which crescent moon will be red or how to find the alligator or... Ma Myrtle lifted her arms into the air triumphantly. A couple of people clapped, but Blue could tell they didn't understand any better than he did. Ma Myrtle's lips pursed. The grand review, she said, will be a display of our family's many aptitudes, a day of merriment and mirth and honor of my life. It will, st it will stave off the sadness you will no, now no doubt endure when I leave you. Oh, Granny Eve looks mad now, whispered Ida. I think Ma Myrtle's changed the plan on her. Blue was counting in his head. Eighteen days. Ma Myrtle was supposed to die in nineteen days. Dear sweet Ma Myrtle, says Chelsea, hovering over her chair, what is a grand review? It's another talent contest, Howard said, crossing his arms over his chest. Of course. Chelsea's face brightened at once. She was no doubt already planning a new lineup of songs and dances for her son. The grand review is not a talent contest, Ma Myrtle said. It's a festival, a celebration, a showcase of everything that makes this family great. Yep, said Howard, it's a talent contest. At the Grand Review, Mom Myrtle said, talking over him, all of Murky Branch will witness what our family can do, and I will announce the name of the champion who has proved himself or herself worthy of a new fate. Ida, says Blue. His cousin turned to look at him. In the light from the window, he could see that she was close to tears. You've got to do it, he breathed, before the review. What? 
It's the only way to convince her to call the whole thing off, Blue said. If we can break your fate, Ida shook her head. No, I told you I can't. A grand review, says Blue. In this family, people are going to end up burned and electrocuted and trampled and who knows what else. Ida bit her lip. And it will keep all of the relatives here for weeks when all Granny Eve wants is some time alone with her mother. Blue hadn't quite thought of it that way, but Ida was right. Granny Eve must want a chance to say goodbye to Ma Myrtle. We can do this, he said, watching her with bated breath. I know we can. You say we, she murmured at last. But what you really mean is me. You'll do it? She slumped against the wall of the house and sighed. I really hate gerbils.